All right, let's move on to the next question. This is my podcast and I'm taking control again. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything Lit RPG, Progression Fantasy, and Royal Road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Hi, and welcome to the Crit RPG Podcast. Today, with my great friend, Haydock! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Hit me yeah. with the... Th- Wait, what are they? Hit me with the trumpets again. One more time. Okay. Okay. My good friend, Haydock! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the energy I need. Perfect. There we go. Ready to go. <laughs> uh, this is fun. So, you might be asking yourself, why did he invite Haylock again? Isn't that the guy that you recorded with a terrible microphone? And to that I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I have been gang-pressed into doing this. Yeah, I actually invited myself because it struck me as criminal that Max hadn't been interviewed himself. Yep. And so he can't interview. I mean, he could interview himself, but, you know, that could be a bit odd. Though maybe me interviewing is even odder, but we're going to find out today. It's a bit masturbatory, isn't it? (laughs) It is, yes. (laughs) I think a phrase I will be using throughout the entirety of this episode will be, I'm the one asking the questions. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have, I should have had something installed on your side to just like smack you every time. Although, you know, it's a weird dynamic because it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So at some point, you'll need to take charge. But also, I'm in charge and I'm asking the questions. So there's a bit of a switch dynamic. There's, there's a back and forth. Oh, here. my God. <laughs> this is now an After Dark podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We're working on it. All right. So, well, go on. All right. Okay. Hey, I'm the one giving directions today, okay? <laughs> yeah, you wish. So, <laughs> what I wanted to talk to you about is Torchbearer. So, how and why did you write this story? <laughs> do you have an hour? Uh, yes, I do. So, most of my stories used to be other stories that have turned into other stories. If I'm studying at Adam and Eve, I was in college in 2011. I was doing my international year and I was in the United States of America, in Michigan and Kalamazoo. And I was doing this this class with this wonderful guy called Andy Mozina, who I learned nothing from because I was dumb and arrogant and stupid at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like a college student. <laughs> yeah, I thought I would go in there and they would all be wowed by my writing knowledge. And they weren't. And I was like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> Were you like that, that student standing up like, well, actually? Oh, God. Don't mind. <laughs> yeah. anxious. Uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> That's all right. We were all young. I would like to think that I wasn't like that, but I definitely Mm -hmm. didn't understand the whole like learning thing. Mm -hmm. I just did stuff and then sometimes it was good and sometimes it wasn't like, you know, highly gifted kids bingo. Like you start shit and then it either it's good or you just quit. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always loved writing. So I wrote this story for that class where it was about a gigantic plague petrifying humanity. And then at some point, God, like capital G God, comes down and says, I'm so sorry, I fucked up. Everyone gets a free wish. Sorry. And they all had like their free wishes. And because I was a 22-year-old angsty kid, 
I thought I would write about this outsider who wished for something really cool and all the others would just wish for money and fame and all that kind of stuff. And um, because they didn't understand this stuff, they would like all pack all the outsiders onto this small island kind of utopia paradise slash thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the main plot of it was guy wants to escape, but then when he can escape, he finds out actually, like, why would I want to go back? Why would I want to go back to the grind, to the money, to the fame? I mean, if I can just be here and like change into animals because that's what I find fun. That sounds way better. Yeah, but I wrote it terribly. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be a short story. And I, yeah. <clears throat> if people have, if people already have read Torchbearer, they will understand. I can't. I, I literally can't write short stories. Now, like my, my short stories are incredibly flat mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm rushing through them because I just don't know how to stop a plot. And then if I don't do that, I write like 150,000, 160,000 words, word beats. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. in the genre you're writing now, that's sort of a benefit. So congratulations. Yes. yes. <laughs> well done. It felt like coming home. Yeah. It's literally like you don't need to edit. You just put stuff out there and you hope for the best. That didn't work out for me so well. But mm. on the first Torchbearer Alpha. So yeah. Everyone who read that, thank you so much for reading that. I'm very sorry I put you through log 3.16. I'm very <laughs> sorry. For the people who haven't read it, it's a 30,000 word fight scene. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. People are very, very opinionated on those. <laughs> I've seen recently a few people lashing out at the long fight scenes it's one of those fight scenes that um makes travis baldry go fuck you i'm gonna write my own book (laughs) yeah 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 like if he had if he hadn't already reached that point already if he had narrated torchbearer he might have gotten there (laughs) yeah he will never narrate torchbearer torchbearer is a female mc like female (laughs) female mc kind of sci-fi story with a really confusing plot and some pov changes because i really didn't want any success on royal road that was my goal when I wrote a story. <laughs> yeah, that's, you definitely hit like, I think that's the trifecta. Actually, no, I mean, you're, that's leaving out like harem elements. That is pretty unpopular. Those are in there too, in book two or three. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what, the quad, quad factor? <laughs> yeah, you hit yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you've got the female MC sci-fi point of view change. Yeah, there, there really aren't any people changes and there's not going to be a harem, but yeah. Uh, I don't really want to go into it because I'm, I'm afraid I will lose even more readers before I even start it. <laughs> we can worry about that when we arrive there. <laughs> if you're reading this, like if you're already read the thing, you kind of know where this is going and uh, it's not that bad. But yeah, so I wrote that crappy short story. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back home a few years later, I was like, I always stopped writing and I started again and I stopped and I started again. And a few years later, I thought like, Hey, NaNoWriMo sounds fun. I have no idea how I got there. And they wanted to write an urban fantasy novel. And so I had this idea of, well, taking this plot of, because this really interests me, of God screwing up and giving everyone a free wish. And I wanted to write a comedy. So I wrote a comedy where it's a plane full of people. And the pilot was supposed to die yesterday, but they forgot. So now they're killing him with like a stork through the windshield. And then the plane crashes into into the Atlantic and everyone dies. And now they have this issue because there's rules and regulations. So you can't just kill people if you're angels. That's not how that works. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So they go into the rule book and they go like, shit, now we have to give everyone a free wish. Fuck. So what do we do? (laughs) Last time we did that, we had all these new religions popping up and all the like 70s cults. So how about we don't do that anymore? So we need to give them a free wish. That's in the rules. But it doesn't state anywhere that we can't put them into like life-threatening situations right after so they die 
Oh, very ethical. We don't kill them. Technically, <laughs> so these are like new intern angels, right? Three people have prayed to them ever, and they're like, "Yeah, we can do this. this is cool. Um, mm. We're gonna get a big promotion for this." And then they put all <laughs> people in like life-threatening situations, and it turns out if you put humans in a situation where they are about to die, they wish not to die, right? So most yeah. people just wish like, "I wish to get out of here," and then they get out of here, and then they like zap their brain, make them forget everything, and everything's fine. Yeah, they're alive. Wish gone. Which yeah, which gone, yeah. About like 60, 70 people on that plane, however, they are a little bit smarter or maybe they weren't in the right mind space or like high. I have one character in another book that I, that I wrote where the main character was high and uh, just wished to be one with nature. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so the main character of this book that I was writing in the Urban Fantasy, um, Michaela or Mike, Mm -hmm. grew up in a kind of christian like ultra conservative murder cult and i mean like i'm treading a very fine line here with the whole like christianity thing one of my main characters or like side characters in torchbearer is well de facto muslim so i mean i'm a christian dude i'm just doing my shit and i've always been fascinated by injecting topics of christianity into my books or faith in general even though i'm not a very religious person i just think the whole concept is fascinating and how it shaped humanity but that's a different topic so yeah that is very interesting mike she was supposed to be this stepford wife kind of person in this town and she fled because she wanted to find her father and her father has gone missing hunting vampires and her father always told her, if anything goes wrong, you can find me in Berlin. And that's where she went when the plane crashed. And she's like put in front of this truck and she was just, man, I wish I could react fast enough. Right? That's her wish. And yep. everything slows down Matrix style. And now she has exactly enough time to make a decision and get out of trouble. Depending yep. on how hard it is to get out, she gets more time, but she still needs to make the decision. Right? So she can fuck up. She can make the wrong decision. And she just has exactly the right amount of time. That's her wish. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a comedy, and I, I wrote it. And of course, the, the place that her dad sends her to is a vampire house. So she has to team up with this <laughs> vampire and, and like the werewolf cook. And it's really fun. Yeah, I can see the comedic beats. <laughs> yeah. After a while, I realized, actually, this is not a comedy that I'm writing. And also, the vampire is far more interesting. So I had 55,000 <laughs> words, and I yeah. canned them. Yeah. Cantum, and I wrote a new story. Like, again, comedy, vampire. I wrote the entire thing from the vampire's point of view. That crashed and burned too because it wasn't a comedy. So <laughs> I threw that out. Another 65,000 words gone. All experience, though. It's something. Yep. And then I wrote a book called The Flower, the Wish, and the Blood. Mm -hmm. um, it's from Valerie's point of view. Valerie's the vampire. Valerie Justine Claudette von Dahl. That's her, like... Yeah, that's a name. That's a really, really cool name, yeah. And she's the heir to this vampire house, the House of Dahl, which means valley in old German. It's, it's a whole thing. I did research. And the thing is, her dad is also missing. That's the thing that connects her to Michaela and that's the thing they, they bond over. But her dad is in vampire prison <clears throat> because they pinned all sorts of like, you know, like Nazi regime crimes on him uh, to like wash their hands off of it. And uh, they just put him in vampire prison in the 80s or late 80s, shortly after Valerie was born. 
And well, her mom left her on the doorstep because she didn't want to have a vampire kid. And she grows up normally until, of course, she gets into an accident and then drinks blood and then fully becomes a vampire and then no longer ages and has to like stay out of sunlight and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But the issue is her house without the air proper is falling apart. So the house that she's living in is falling apart and also her reputation is falling apart. They tie together. They're metaphorically connected. And she f- gets this girlfriend called Florette, or Flo for short. And uh, she's a fairy princess who uh, is like kind of a big deal in, in Berlin. And they get together and Florette was like, yeah, you got to push. You can do this. You can become bigger. You can become better than this. Uh, I can help you. I can help you. I must help you. I will help you. And Valerie gives in and says like, okay, cool. I can do this. I can be- make my house big again and like win my father back out of prison and clear his name. That's my duty. I can do this. And the book starts when they are going to a, well, semi-job fair for all these people who were on the plane. Remember at the beginning? (laughs) Who who, who had wishes? Yeah. Yeah. They go to this job fair because like Mr. Lichterfeld, you can guess who that is, is doing his job fair because he's like handling all the affairs of the mortals and he's big on like free choice. And mm-hmm. he is like, these people, if we don't give them a job, the whole underworld is going to hunt them down. So I want them to connect it to houses so that they don't get hunted down. And Valerie kind of goes in and she gets the dregs of the dregs because she's late and she yeah. gets Michaela. And then stuff happens about that's the entire thing. Okay, yeah. so what does it have to do with Torchbearer? <laughs> well, I wrote that book. And it was bad. It has very good bones, but it was terrible. So I quit writing again for another four years. And then when I started writing on Royal Road two years ago, very sporadically, just like one chapter every half half year whenever I wanted to, I thought, hey, you know what? How about I write this other story that I still have in mind? Well, I've been talking for a while now. Sorry, this is kind of awkward. No, you're good. Go. I'm listening. You're answering another question. And so during this college time, I had, I had like six or seven ideas that I have written down and I still want to write. And yeah. one of them was a story about a young boy who lives in this dystopian war-torn world on a different planet in the future. It's sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And he finds a hover tank in a cave. And Inside of the hover tank is an AI, and that AI has been modeled after his mother, his dead mother, but like 30 years old, so she doesn't know him, and right, so that kind of thing, and had this like really cool action scenes planned, it was like assembly plans, but the book never really took off because it was supposed to be this coming of age, I don't need my mom anymore story, but I didn't really want to write it, but I found, again, that the AI character is way more interesting. What does it feel like if you're stuck in a computer and there's a huge time gap? The last time you did this, you were actually winning a war and now you're... Yeah, you're just a copy of a frame, like space and time. Or are you the real person? Are you not, right? You, you don't know because you feel real to yourself. And so I took that idea and I just wrote the beginning of that. So I had this character called Chris and I put him in and I put Samantha in and I the, the book wasn't really supposed to be an Isekai at the beginning anyway. 
And then mm. I wrote the first chapter. I was like, actually, this could be a really cool Isekai. What about if this main character had already been Isekai'd once and then did all the hero journey and did the heroine's journey, had all this cool stuff, built a community. And then at the end, she lost it all. And now she wants revenge and yes. builds his AI. And what about if she actually, maybe or maybe even not, really gets stuck in the computer? If it really is her, what if we don't know as a reader? And that's how I started Torchbearer. It's the general plot. Main character yeah. got Izakai'd. Sam has the power to advance technology. So out of a stick, she can make a spear. Out of a spear, she can make a lance. Out of the lance, she can make a primitive rifle, maybe, or something like that. As long as the concept is connected to what she wants to achieve... She can pump her wish energy into it, and that thing will change into something else. The only limitations are if she can't imagine it, she can't do it. And the further you go away from the original object, the harder it is to do. So if you want to turn a stick into a laser rifle, it's going to be very hard, and it's going yeah. to take weeks. Yeah, and That's the idea. And so she saves up all the energy, builds a cool laptop for Chris. They sit down, connect it to the laptop. That's where the book starts with um, all the senses coming into play. Mm -hmm. And then she presses the button and everything goes dark. And suddenly there's like error messages. And someone's trying to download some sort of virus onto her. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the book starts. The cold open, yeah. If you are a friend of the kazoo ad, you have to be very, very strong now. I regret to inform you that Sherdaloon went and bought the tier that removes the kazoo ad from all podcasts and and now it's gone so you got Shirtaloon to thank for that on the other hand if you want to add the kazoo ad again there's a tier for that too thanks so much for listening and let's get on with the show yeah well I can see how you get the energy to write it because it's I don't know. It's a merging of so many ideas and like, especially on, it's like ideas from past projects you've worked on or ideas from mm -hmm. past projects as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. I'm very excited to see the relaunch personally, but I suppose I'll have to wait like everyone else. What a shame. I mean, it's not like I haven't been posting chapters of it uh, on the Discord. Yeah, I know, right? Crazy. Wherever can yeah, I find yeah. them? Yeah, well, in case you're wondering, I have a very small circle of friends called Crit RPG, and this whole podcast actually started as me having burnout-ish, like mini burnout, sitting in a spa, sitting by the pool, reading a book and putting it down like the cat and the meme going like, I should do a podcast. And um, <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah, actually, I, I thought like, hey, how cool would that be? I mean, I've done a podcast before. Just a role-playing thing for friends, not under my name. Just a small thing. And it would be really cool if, for example, I could get host on and talk to host, but then host said, I'm too shy, senpai, no, you baka you. His real words, actually, he said that. <laughs> you can quote him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He called me a sassy baka and... Sundere host. Yeah, then Sundere host, yeah. And then he kind of inflicted that curse on you. So you were my first guest, and here we are. And my Australian ass was like, let's go! I'm down. <laughs> I want to talk to you anyway. <laughs> I'm all about it. Yeah, it was oh, fun. That's so funny. Yeah, I remember I received a message. He's like, I'm sorry if I sent that your way and you don't want it. I was like, oh, I already agreed, man. <laughs> I'm in. 
Hilarious. All right. From there, I was going to ask you, what's your best, the best advice you ever got as a writer? What was it? <sighs> Quit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, no, actually, it's advice I couldn't really handle at the time. It's advice I didn't know what to do with. I was always one of those anxious people who wanted to be like super prepared before they started yeah. anything so that they don't fail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Um, spoiler yeah. alert, that doesn't work. <laughs> There's no way around failure. You got to be okay with failure because mm-hmm. that's a superpower that you got to have. That's where the growth comes from. I'm getting there. So the one guy who left me a 2.5 star review, I really appreciate that. Like, I really do. But it still hurt my feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I love to hate that review. And I I enshrined it and printed it out. Because the problem with that is it was like, it was gut-wrenching. But it's also true. Yeah, he hit the insecurities right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good points. And that's like, you can't just dismiss that. No. Yeah, that's the most brutal feedback. Exactly. So, no, the advice I actually got or took was from... I forgot his name. He wrote Hand Me Down World. It's which is like a very interesting book. Like it's not a little RPG at all. Like mm-hmm. it's a like very literary book. Lloyd Jones. He's a New Zealander, actually. So he told you to quit writing? No, he didn't. <laughs> Specifically? He actually He actually told me like all this preparation, all this like education that you're getting, you don't need it. All you need mm-hmm. is the desire to write. And yeah. I still have that. I have. He wrote this in the in his dedication in the book. Just have a desire to write, and I think that's pretty much the only only thing that that really matters. But I know that everyone is giving this advice because I've been hosting this podcast for a while. So for real, for craft, my advice that I would give is find friends who you trust to like you even when they completely crush your work, mm-hmm. right? So the way we're communicating on Crit RPG on, on our Discord, I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy I met you guys, and I'm very happy that um, I'm part of this community that actually allows to allows us to, well, grow together, right? I mean, look, look at yeah. Sean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more about that that advice. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. finding people that I think re- also receive, it's something about receiving critique from people that you trust mm-hmm. and love, you know, like it hits different. There's no like, there's no subconscious part in your lizard brain like pushing it away saying like, no, they're wrong, mm-hmm. they're wrong. Like the people that you trust and you know have your best intention, like have the best intentions for you in mind and want you to succeed. Yeah. When they hit you with it with feedback, like it, it strikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes hold. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, it makes it safe. Yeah. So you're yeah. scared about the feedback. You don't waste, like, 30% of your brain energy trying to fend up anxiety or something like that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Even for giving advice, it's... Giving mm-hmm. advice is so hard. My, like, even when I first joined, my general, you know, my dogma was to only give good advice. Like, only hit the things mm-hmm. I liked. Like, don't kick mm-hmm. a, don't kick an artist down. In the, like, in the months since then, I think that was doing people a disservice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. if I hadn't been, if I hadn't felt comfortable with the people I was in a group with, then maybe mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had that realization. I would have just been like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, uh, just be nice to people. Be a wholesome mm-hmm. impact on everyone that comes across you. But, you know, for people that are truly trying to improve the craft, which I think every single one of us is, genuinely, mm-hmm. like trying to mm-hmm. improve and get better. You know, mm-hmm. you, I want the advice that hurts. 
as much as it sucks yep. to read, like that's what I want. I want, like it's already helped me so much. Like when I'm writing new chapters, I'll write a, a sentence and I go like, oh, that's what X yes. said at X time. Yes. Like, I'm doing it again. Stop. You know what I mean? Like that's so helpful. Yeah. Help me with the plotting. Torchbearer Alpha very much just uh, continues like slap, 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 slap. No sequels, only scenes. It was fun to write because something always happened and then drove the character forward. The plot just drove itself. But you got to have some sequels. You got to have time for your character to actually process what's, what's going on. Because even yeah. though it only happens in the book in the span of a few hours, in the real world, it's months. So yeah. you got to slow down. Even if it doesn't really make sense for the characters. Like there's a battle and they're like talking for two pages. Yeah. If you're reading it, if it's done well, it's, it's okay, I think. Yeah, no, I also think it's important. It's a weird thing. And like this could be going down like a craft rabbit hole. But yeah, it's, you know, you like you said, like the epitome of it is being in like a battle and everything's crazy. But it's still a better experience for the reader to have this moment of introspection from the characters. Mm. Like this, just a little bit of calm, a little downtime for their brains, like and your characters to touch base and just like reset. And then yeah. whoop, we go right back into the chaos. It's obviously like a story by story basis, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, people aren't connecting to your main character. I will be super thankful yeah. to Brooke um, from Portal, who I called yesterday and I, I spoke to and who gave me like 20 minutes of like really good advice on my story and basically just reaffirmed what I thought anyway. I wish I had recorded that because my ADHD brain kind of forgot what he said and I was like, I don't know why you want to. Well, I was thing. <laughs> but yeah, I really appreciated that from him. And it was mostly, it was about if you don't show who the main character could be under all the stress then it's very hard to relate to them yeah and so the finding this balance is super important right so mm -hmm. you have your main character who has a lot of stress but you also need to show hey what happens when they're not always angry why would you want them to be your friend and yeah, um, they truly when they're not yeah. you know in a life and, and death battle the entire damn time for thirty thousand words <laughs> and and brooke spoke about a book that they hadn't signed that was a little bit depressing and the feedback that he got from his beta reader that sorts stuff out uh, was one line that stuck with him and that was at some point i just wanted the monsters to win so it would be over and <laughs> yeah Man. and I, this was i have to say I, I hope it's okay to say this book but i, I have to say like this, this was in a book that is, was otherwise perfectly written wonderful beautiful mm -hmm. prose but it had the same issue that my book has where it's just one constant barrage of emotion right yeah so yeah, just bang bang yeah i mean i have been that friend i have been like super depressed who's always sitting around just moping like oh my life sucks so hard and if you are in that position you literally cannot think of something else like it's impossible mm -hmm. it's the worst affliction you can have in life i personally feel because it suddenly feels as though anything you do has no meaning whatsoever. Yeah, there's no hope. Yes, it's exactly. Just, yeah. And writing that is surprisingly easy, but it's, it's, it's tough as nails to read and you don't want to read it because yeah. you don't want to be in that space. So you have to have mm. some sort of redeeming factor. The other thing is true too, though. If your character always just succeeds or if it's a cozy fantasy that is just cozy all the time and no tension happens ever, there's mm. no challenge, that also gets numbing after a while. It's the chemicals in your brain. 
right? Because <laughs> yeah. if you're reading a book, ideally, you suspend your disbelief so much that you live in that character's head and body and you get all these emotions. And that's what makes humans human. And that's why storytelling exists. That's why I call history history because everything is a story. It, this is how we evolve as humans. We talk to each other. We, we, com we connect. We communicate. And we do that because our brains are made so that when I tell a story and I do it well, you learn from it. If yeah. I tell I was scared because there was a saber-toothed tiger and I was running for my life and I felt really anxious, then you also feel anxious and you learn a saber-toothed tiger is not a good thing. I should run away from that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... This translates then to stories these days. If you're like watching a superhero movie or whatever, you're getting all these different emotional beats. And the amount of chemicals in your brain is limited. There's DRANs, there's adrenal, uh, adrenal glands, dopamine glands, and so on and so forth. And they get empty after a while. Have you ever laughed so much that it began to hurt? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? And that's because the dopamine that gets like pushed out when you're laughing is a finite resource. And when that stops masking the pain of your muscles contracting, that's when it starts hurting. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I never made that connection. And that's when you want people to stop telling jokes after a while because it hurts. It actually fucking hurts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got no more dopamine, numb in those senses. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. So if you are if you stick with the same tone for too long and we're not bouncing mm -hmm. around and exploring other things, you're just, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're either, if you're in an action sequence the whole time, you're epipenephrine or adrenaline i think they're the same thing it runs out and you're just like i'm good you know what i mean like it's becomes yep. a chore yeah yep. interesting yeah i hadn't thought of it from the brain chemical side of things i just thought of it as a like you get bored sort of after doing the same thing for too long <sighs> all right yeah that was a fantastic answer the best guest i've ever had on this podcast i haven't had a better answer to that podcast i mean that question it's been a long day. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> my, my, my brain does not compute. Excuse me? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I meant to say, because I'm infinitely funny, that your <laughs> answer to that question I asked mm. was the best answer that I've had to that question on this entire podcast. Mm. You know, implying Thank that you. I've interviewed a lot of people. You know, yes. I find that jokes get funny when explain them. So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> I'm German. So... That sounds like a very true statement. Yes. Yeah, and I'm Australian, so I, there's there's been quite a few times when I've just like railed something out at you, and you're like, "Wait, what?" And I was like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> that was Australian for this." <laughs> My uh, bad. <laughs> uh, basically, every sentence that starts with "struth" or or "crikey," I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I can just zone out and then ask for clarification. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Can you repeat that in English, yeah. please? And thank you. <laughs> oh, hilarious. All right. I feel like Siri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. This is my podcast and I'm taking control again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is one thing that you learned while writing that you would love to go back and improve on in older works? Yeah, you got to like iron it a little bit in more. It's like the segues are a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> this is my podcast. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Australian. I don't know social norms. And we're making it work. Yeah. <sighs> so sorry, what was the question? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But one thing I could go back to. I know these questions from somewhere. I just don't know where. I, I, I think I would go back. I would keep writing. Mm -hmm. 
So when I wrote Flower, Wish and Blood and I got very anxious about it, I would just go back and not stop writing and I would throw this shit out on Royal Road way sooner had I known Royal Road existed. Um, yeah. Get yourself a freaking like bad pen name. Make it a pun or whatever. Just yeah. don't do what I did. Don't use your online persona. Let's make a throwaway account and just post a story. See if people like it. Set your goals low, like criminally low. Like if mm -hmm. I get five readers for every chapter that I write, I'm doing something right. That was my first goal. I got them and I was like, Awesome, cool, let's see if they stay for five chapters. They did. I was like, but maybe how about 10? Because at this point, I was at like, I was at like 50. I was like, okay, cool, 10 is good. And then at 50. So having low expectations and then surpassing those is way better because it keeps you going. All right, so set your, set your goals very low. To this day, when I open a railroad in the morning, check my stats, I close my eyes and I go like, how many people do I want to have read my chapter until now, the latest one? And so like five. And then I look and it's 10. I'm like, yes. If I had gone, <laughs> oh, I hope it's 100 and then it's only 10, I would be like, oh man, I'm bad. Yeah. So yeah, like set low expectations and surpass them constantly. Mm -hmm. Right? So set the expectation not to succeed, but to be validated for your work. This sounds super weird, but that's the advice I would give to my younger self. And yeah. for writing itself on the book for Torchbearer, definitely sequels. Like, you know, scene in a sequel, the scene is where the action happens, the sequel is where the thinking happens. Write more sequels. Like, Samantha, give the poor girl some breathing space. Yes, she's angry all the time, and that's her main characteristic. Okay, cool. Yeah, we get it. But... Mm. Take a moment, right? Take a moment and maybe also explain this a little bit more because you're not fucking Fitzgerald or Grant. Like all these illusions go over people's heads and maybe they're not that smart to begin with. So sometimes <laughs> just state what's happening. First of all, how dare you? Yeah. All of my readers are so intelligent and they get everything every time. Are they intelligent enough to click the subscribe button on your Patreon? <laughs> Some of them. <laughs> there you go. Those are the 500 <laughs> IQ people. Speaking of which, if you're listening to this, there's bonus material for every single episode of this podcast on Patreon. I cannot stress this enough. And when I say bonus material, it's ad-free. It's uncut. So you can, for example, listen to Void Herald Give Love Advice. You can listen to Raven's Dagger completely demolish Rhaegar, which is okay, by the way. We spoke, spoke to both of them. We were having some fun. You can listen to all the raunchy and really fun jokes that I couldn't put into the main show. So, yeah, go ahead. Click that link. It's only yeah. five bucks, and that's like $1 per two hours of bonus content. So I think that's a pretty freaking good deal. I'm yeah. subscribed. Why aren't you subscribed? See, Haylock subscribed. Yeah. He, he subscribed, and he even subscribed after he got on the show, so it wasn't a bribe. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of smooth segues, that was a good one. You've been practicing. Thank you. That was nice. You didn't just screech at me? No. Yeah, <laughs> did I scream at you? Oh, no, I did to you. <laughs> like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Oh, maybe I should have gaslit you and told you that never happened. <laughs> 
please don't. What? No. My transition was smooth. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> susceptible to that kind of shit, so please don't. I'm very naive. <laughs> all right, all right, sorry. I was just joking. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. Yeah, I, I totally agree with your writing advice, though. Setting expectations, I think that's the biggest reason why people quit. And quitting writing is like, I don't know, man. Even if you don't make money from it or if you don't go full-time or whatever grandiose goal you have, mm. it's such a good hobby. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's such a healthy thing. It's such a fun thing for me anyway. If you, mm. this is like, it's a weird lesson to have learned from playing video games. But I learned from my uh, competitive League of Legends days that oh, yeah. you improve far better if you stop focusing on winning. This is directly correlating to writing. If you focus on winning a game of League of Legends, when you lose, you get mad, you get tilted, you feel like shit, and you don't improve. You don't look at what you could have what you could have improved. You're just mm. raging. You're getting mad at you're getting mad at your teammates and blaming them. If you're a writer, you're getting mad at readers and blaming them. Like if mm. your goal is to instead improve and get better. That's why you're writing because you're trying to improve and get better. You'll mm. improve and get better and you'll make better stories way faster than if your goal is to make X amount of money or to make this amount of followers mm. or whatever. Because if you miss those things, you're going to rage out. You're going to feel terrible. Make improvement your goal. Yeah, exactly. And this goes back to stoicism. I'm not like a staunch stoicist or something like that. But I do think there's like there's a certain helpful element to understanding what's in your control and what's not. Setting your own expectations yep. is in your control. Winning in a game where you need four randos to have more than two brain cells wrapped together, god damn it, is not. Right? Yeah. So I completely agree with you. I'm not a very angry person in general. I write that all on the page in general when I can. The league made me rage. And that's mostly because I, you got this idea of if everyone only did what I thought was right, then I would have success. But you forget that you are the person who defines what success is. And if any of you are listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, well, Maddox, he lives in his fucking mansion and he has Mai Tais with Shirtaloon on his Ford yacht every weekend. <laughs> no, I don't. Wait, what? You don't? No, I don't. That's, oh. he's, he lives in Australia. That's, that's you, Haylock. That's you who you're thinking about. We're taking, this, <laughs> we're taking this like switch too much. You're the person who has Mai Tais with Shirtaloon. Yeah, I'm more of a mocktail kind of guy, but... You don't know. I could be. He doesn't. It's not my yacht. It's not my yacht, but I could be on Shirtaloon's yacht. You don't know. I'm on the beach. I could. He could roll up. You got a grappling hook? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, I can swim. I don't even know if Shirtaloon has a yacht. I don't. Th he doesn't seem a yacht guy. He could have a yacht. Yeah. He has the ability. So, he probably uh, maybe has the ability. I don't know. I don't know Shirtaloon. I've never spoken to him. Yeah. This is all conjecture. Me, me neither. But <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm like, before anyone takes it out of context, I was joking, right? I don't know if Shortland has a yacht. I know he bought a house and I'm super happy for him because he's the guy who literally brought this entire genre to where it is today. He had lots of help, of course, even people who shall not be named, like people with like weird copyrights, for example, they did their job, <laughs> right? They did a lot of work to mm. push this genre to where it is. And if they hadn't written good books, we wouldn't be here today. So I'm really grateful to all of them. Their success is amazing. And I don't want it to have any less. That's what I'm saying Definitely. about that. Yeah. Dude, I could not agree more. Like, I hate people punching up and I hate people punching down. Like, and it, yeah. it happens in, it happens everywhere. But I would really hate when it happens with authors. Like, you get new authors coming through very successful and they start this, mm -hmm. like, bashing on the ones that paved the way. You know what I mean? And vice versa. You know, it can go both ways. You get 
I'm not going to name any names either, but I have had some pretty bad interactions with certain authors <laughs> mm. that are pretty well, or were pretty well established. But yeah, it's not a good look. Don't do that. Yeah. That's my writing advice. Hey, be nice to people, especially other writers. Yeah. Be a kind person. Rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, I spoke with, with Carolex as part of their, well, being the main publisher of Timeless Wind. And they said the same thing. They said, rising tides lift all boats. And there's enough readers out there. There's enough, there's not enough books. You cannot, you literally yeah. cannot write fast enough for people to read at the speed, yeah. right? So, yeah, but going back to the earlier point, let me think. Which one? Oh, yeah, the other point. No, <laughs> Maddox is so important and he has, has like my ties. Um, yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally like making negative money off of this stuff because I like doing it so much. And mm -hmm. it just really feels good. It feels good doing the podcast. It feels good doing writing. And I am honest. I'm not looking forward to going back to my job. I'm on leave right now so that I can, I can write. I'm just taking a sabbatical. But at some point, I will have to go back to my job. And that means, well, less podcasting. That means less writing. I literally couldn't do the stuff that I do if I go back to my job. So we'll see what happens because right now my entire week is completely packed with editing and writing. And, and then if like some sort of company comes in and wants me to quote unquote work for them. Ugh, I, companies. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and if you don't want that to happen, subscribe to my Patreon. I was going to say, yeah, you can fix that. You, hey, you press that subscribe button. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Again, smooth, smooth, segues. smooth. Oh, is that getting the ninth up behind you? Yep. No, it's Norna. Uh, Harrow, sorry. Harrow the ninth. I have terrible internet. I haven't actually read. I've only read Gideon. I intend to read the rest of them. Gideon kind of broke my heart. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I thought, <laughs> okay, so Tamsin, you're probably not listening to this, but I thought, yeah, this is mildly interesting. This is really good. Mm -hmm. This is a very forgettable book. <laughs> and then I got to the end, and I'm still thinking about the end like eight years later. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. The entire book, somehow, everything was forgettable and, until the end. And then suddenly everything else was like, oh my God, I need to like, why is this, get on my head. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I literally had this, it was two weeks ago. I went to buy another physical, my third physical copy of The Name of the Wind, which I know you love talking about. My yes. third physical copy, because I have lost two copies from having lent them out to people. And I've lent them out so many times and I have like severe ADHD brain. I have no idea where it went. So I bought a third copy and I saw Gideon the Ninth on the shelf and I was like, huh, there's a bunch of sequels. Damn. And then I looked up when it was released because I bought it on release. Like I remember seeing mm -hmm. the original her Reddit post advertising and all that. I read a sampler from their, from a publisher. Mm -hmm. This was like in the, the early days of, of Kindle. I was like, oh, cool. I can, I can read a sampler here. This is free. This is nice. This is really good. I want to read that. And then I bought it on release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got a release and I was like, that was like two years ago. I was like, isn't she traditionally published? How does she have so many books out? It was not two years ago, but it's still <laughs> haunting me. It's been almost a decade, okay? Like yeah. the years have flown by and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's a very divisive book. Very explorative though. I know, I think yeah. even the people that didn't like it can admit that, you know, she tried some new things. She got a bit wild with it. yeah. I'm not as not as wild as 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 she could have because in the end it is a murder mystery. Yeah. And I thought somehow the whole going down into the into that weird door thing and then coming back out and then going in and out was a bit weird. Like it felt yeah. felt a bit like separatory. 
Yeah, it's um, like a bit disjointed, but I think that yeah. might have been intentional. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. like I think I cannot quite appreciate how smart this woman is. So yeah, it was meant to get confusing, and I was sufficiently confused. Tamsin, yeah. speaking of books, though, your boy's got a smooth transition. What's one oh, you nice. love, and why is it awesome? <laughs> and why is it the name of the wind? Actually, that wouldn't be the book I was calling out. Uh, I would call out "Leadership is Language" by David Marquette. <laughs> hey, I can see it up there behind you. Yeah. Nah, um, oh yeah for those who don't know we're on uh video i guess i already yeah. asked about a book on the shelf anyway <laughs> we're on video but haylock said that he didn't shave and what was the code you used you want a bunyip is what a bunyip <laughs> nope it's essentially australian bigfoot oh, okay yeah, yeah it's a uh it's a mythological creature that haunts the night haunts the billabongs at night and i actually don't mm-hmm. know much about a bunyip come to think of it but yeah it- that was the comparison that I just made up. Isn't the Australian national, like, inefficient national anthem actually a song about a guy stealing a sheep and then drowning himself in a billabong? Uh, yeah, Waltzing Matilda. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, the Matildas, the uh, Australian soccer team, football team, you know, sorry, mm-hmm. my bad. Yeah, they're called the Matildas. They just came third or fourth in the World Cup. The Matildas. Nice. After, you know, the man stealing a sheep drowned himself. Nice. Yeah. Australia, Australia. I I have to say I, I I do appreciate the London prison lingo. Yeah, after I explain it to you, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah, I'm just having some bit of fun. Uh, my my German accent isn't really all that bad. So let's skip about the historical implication of my country. <laughs> um, oh yeah, no, we're not going to do that at all. So so books that I yeah. So leadership in, is language. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty freaking good book. It doesn't have to do anything with little RPG, but I really like reading it. I also liked reading Turning the Ship Around. But in this one, he really explains not why, like the general concept of leadership, but literally how do you do that? So what changes can you make in your language when you lead? Hmm. So that's why I like it. But for fiction and for a non-funny answer, the first book that came to mind was Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson that doesn't yeah. need a shout out I really think it's awesome like the the way the way it starts with the heist with Kelsier I like the whole like play on on the messiah thing and then the double blind that was like I personally still think that Mistborn is one of Brandon Sanderson's best books I um, couldn't agree more amazing yeah, yeah like I, yeah I wrote yeah. my master's thesis on it <laughs> oh did you yeah, I wrote about oh, a nice. queer public, queer hermeneutical interaction in in the Mistborn yeah. quintology back then. And otherwise, I would one book series that I really liked was Django Wexler's The Thousand Names. The Thousand um, Names, I haven't read it. it. It's a relatively unknown book. Django is a pretty cool dude. I haven't talked to him ever. Like we're not friends or anything, but he seems like a pretty chill guy. He's one of the few people I actually follow on the space formerly called Twitter. I have no idea what it's called these days. And it's Napoleon's entire career through a fantasy lens. Oh, wow. Yeah. It starts with this garrison in, well, not Africa, uh, not North Africa, where these people have been driven out by the forces of, well, basically the uh, Egyptian kings after, after like this like r- r- uprising. And this really charismatic leader 
forces their entire army, even though it's beleaguered from all sides, to march to the desert to find an artifact called A Thousand Names. Mm-hmm. And the first book really isn't that all that magical. It's just like sometimes here or there a little bit. But then in the second and third, it gets increasingly more magical. And basically, he took the French Revolution, Napoleon's life as a carbon copy. Yeah. And then it, it literally goes all the way from Africa to France to Russia and back. It's a really freaking good story. Like really yeah. freaking good. Why is it awesome? Because of the historical stuff, right? But also yeah. because the characters are so freaking good. He has this old Grizzle of War veteran who actually just wants to like wants to stop. Um, he has Winter, who is a woman who cross-dressed to get into the army to escape an orphanage. And she got into active duty and now she has to try to keep to herself and hope that no one actually finds out who she is, who she yeah. really is. And she's haunted by these memories of, well, something, right? So how can someone haunt you even if they're dead, I think is, is the tagline that she uses over and over again. And yeah. I've stolen some ideas from that book. For example, the flashbacks that I do, I think yeah. are loosely inspired by Django. So Django, if you're listening to this, thanks. And if you want to read his books, like The Thousand Names are a really cool book. He also has another book series that's about a badass girl warrior with magical arm blades on a techno-magical cruise ship that goes around and teleports kids onto it to train them into assassins to fight against something. And that's a fucking good book. Like Django Waxler is criminally underrated. Yeah, that is a premise. Holy. (laughs) Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. Django Baxter is is criminalized. Yeah, any authors that can do good characters, man, I will forgive almost anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think the epitome for me, I always think of, have you read the Malazan Book of the Fallen? The Steven Erickson? Of course. I read the beginning, it wasn't for me. Yeah, so also kind of the same. The first book, like, it's so disjointed and I have a brain similar to yours. Like, yeah, I don't know. It goes, it's all over the place. It's intended to be obfuscating. You're not supposed to feel grounded where the hell you are. You have no idea most of the time. But the characters, man, oh my God, the characters. They're Mm -hmm. beautiful. I don't know how to pronounce it properly, but like Iskarel Past, man, like I forget storylines and I forget books entirely sometimes. I forget, like I can watch a movie a year later, I've forgotten. I still have lines from the Malazan Book of the Fallen in my head from like 10, 15 years ago. I, yeah, I never, I never forget a plot. Mm. You don't? Damn. Okay. Maybe our brains aren't the same. Maybe, maybe you got the left half, I got the right or something. <laughs> yeah. Mine's chaos. It's kind of cool because I could, like every time I, watch something it's like oh yeah it's like a genuine surprise because <laughs> it's gone i look at the thing and i c- can rattle down the plot but mm. i like the some of the nuances of course are lost i'm not i'm, I'm so i'm not some sort of savant if i were i wouldn't be writing when i write <laughs> <laughs> yeah
<laughs> oh, come on, man. You might be a savant. I mean, I wouldn't have to rewrite the entire like beginning of Torchbearer. <laughs> right. We all we would all have to rewrite if we allowed ourselves. Not that not I'm saying that, you know, Torchbearer Give me a second. What am I saying? You're right. But that's basically the books that I... Yeah, absolutely. I actually noted down... Was it a thousand names? Yes. I wrote that down a little more bad because that sounds... That's the way I need to digest history. This is like a total aside. But like mm-hmm. I need history to be entertaining. Like it's the weirdest thing. I find it endlessly fascinating when it's like delivered in the right way. Like people mm-hmm. always go on about like George Carlin's... I can't even call it something history, but like it's just him narrating like in his like, and then they did this. And I tried it. I couldn't like... I just couldn't focus. But if I listen to like a comedian like Chris Stefano, yeah, he does like horrible histories and it's just a comedian <laughs> saying it. But it's so entertaining and interesting and horrific because history is terrible. It's horrible. Another meme where it's like me as an eighth grader learning about history. Man, I sure hope that my life will be as interesting someday. Me at 25, it was supposed to be space travel. It was supposed to be space travel. <laughs> yeah. Why is it like this? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah, the Chinese curse. Yeah. May you live in interesting times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we certainly do, but it's such a weird thing. Like, the times are currently very interesting, but also horrific, but also better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, your survival yeah. rates for most things are, like, amazing. The fact that I can just mosey on down to the corner store and get anything I need is wild. Yep. Imagine that, even like 100 years ago. All right, this I guess is the meta question. I mean, everyone does. Like, I think with the exception of like, you know, Matt Dinneman or shout outs to Honoré for basically, you know, descending from the heavens and just blessing us with all the skills. Like, it's... <laughs> if you're not one of those people... You have, like, I mean, I've written some books, but they weren't very good. And Torchbearer is the first book that I'm actually, like, finishing and publishing. So I'm learning a shit on here, and I'm mostly learning what stuff I need to avoid. Like, I, mm-hmm. we spoke about this in one segment, right? So make the main character relatable. Give her, like, a real, like, outline and everything. That sort of shit. And I'm going to try my best, and I hope you like it. And if you don't, I promise you at least one more book, maybe two depending on whether or not someone wants to publish this thing. And if they do, awesome, great. I'm going to promise you at least two more books. And if you want more of it, well, I got way more planned. I did mention the Bernard dog, right? You did, yes, with the German accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah just think about it. Oh, yeah, please, please rubben Sie mein belly. If you want that character, go click and give me a good rating. You got to read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of promise I can get behind. Yeah. And I don't think a few of the examples you gave, Shirtaloon and Matt Dinamo. I'm I'm not very humble, am I? Like I'm going to compare myself to Shirtaloon. No, I'm not. No, I think it was I think it was an unfair comparison because they are like they wrote before, right? Like their first books in this genre came flying out the gate, but I feel like uh, they probably made the same mistakes. I think Shirtaloon is actually was a PhD candidate for literature. When yeah. he started writing, he was Five of Monsters. And I know Honoré, for example, wrote 13 other books. She talks about it in the podcast episode that you probably have listened to before if you listen to this. Yeah, I'm so excited to listen to that one. I'm in the past right now. It's not released. It's terrible. 
It's so dark here. It's going to release tomorrow as we're recording this because, again, oh, I'm God. going on vacation. And Do you know how annoying it is for you to be interviewing all these authors that I respect so much? And then you're like, dude, we had this conversation. It was amazing. And then I have to wait like three weeks <laughs> or a month to hear it. Yes. You're like, oh, she talks about this. I'm like, okay, I can't read it or I can't listen to it yet. Why are you telling me? I'm going to actually start releasing the entire episodes without ads and anything on Patreon. So exciting, exciting times. You can listen through the entire thing all the way through without yeah. ad interruptions. One more reason to press subscribe and join me. We can talk in the comments. It'll be wonderful. I'll tell you wholesome things. I'll whisper sweet nothings into your ear. Yeah. And I'm just saying, Void Herald said to subscribe to me. Raven's Dagger said to subscribe to me. And if you're not listening to those people, like, what yeah. are you even doing? Yeah, dude, right? forget me. You forget I said anything. Listen to those Ex guys. Accept the uh, apostles into your heart. <laughs> yeah. See the light. <laughs> See the light of Raven's Dagger. Yep. I still think his name sounds like a cultist name. And then he writes like Cinnamon Bun. <laughs> yeah, it comes flying out the gate with Cinnamon Bun. Yeah. yeah, that book has a special place in my heart because I was like mid like wild anxiety breakdown and was like i need a mm. book everything is violent and then i listened to cinnamon bun while i was working and it was just what i needed for me it was he who fights with monsters yeah. i was legit in burnout it was 2020 to 2021 mm. like covid restrictions were just getting a little bit less tight and i was like you know what fuck it i'm gonna fly to italy and i just went to modena and got that audiobook because I wanted the longest audiobook I could find on, on Audible. And <laughs> yeah. that was actually Hero Fights Monsters. I was like, the cover looks a bit weird. Like, what the fuck? What is the fuck? is a lit RPG. You know what? Whatever. <laughs> and then I started listening to it and I just fell in love with it so much that I listened in one week through the entire first three books, maybe first four if they were out by then. And I just sat on this bench in the Palazzo Ducale. Yeah, nailed it. Yep. Yeah, as an Australian, I, I, I can... Uh, as an Australian, yeah, yeah, of course. Italy and Australia uh, are very close together, dear American friends. Love coffee. We were good at making it. The Italians would stone you for this. What? What? <laughs> I think we'll start a new war. No. <laughs> and I sat there and like listened to, to all these books while watching like lizards and ducks and didn't move from the spot until I got up, got myself one of those like amazing lemonades they have. Like, holy shit, Italy has good lemonade. And ate some fresh italian food like pasta fresca had some balsamic vinegar on my fucking like parmigiano uh, chips and then um, like not like chips but little chips of like real parmigiano cheese uh, and then uh, i went back to my bench and sat around for another four hours watching the water and that healed me so i definitely can see where you're coming from see that's another reason audiobooks Mm. have their place there's some oh man i love i just i walk i live on the beach i just mm. walk along the beach listening to an audiobook i can't do that and read a book i'll step on a blue bottle or I'll walk into someone that's running we don't want that i can just listen to a book got my little wireless things in look out at the waves come on man like yeah that doesn't make me jealous just at all i live in berlin yeah you've got beautiful places yeah you can find even like even cities man i don't know artistic places Absolutely, yeah. There's still something beautiful about like even skyscrapers, right? It's artistic. It's human artistry. It may be ugly if you look at it in certain light, or it could be like a feat of human ingenuity. Exactly. Also, it was good to wander a little bit to have a sense of wonder to push us up into that. Uh, we have Tempelhofer Fit. This the 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 old airlift, West Berlin airlift airfield. Hmm. 
we have that. And it's, it's just like a gigantic airfield in the middle of the city and no one's ever built anything on it because Berlin would go <laughs> and batch it insane if they did. And it's, it's like literally several square kilometers of nothing. Nothing but tarmac and nature. And people yeah. are walking around there and they're, they're roller skating on the tarmac and they're riding their bikes. And because it's so windy, because it was good for an airfield to be, to be windy, they actually have like, they do kite surfing on skateboards there. Whoa, dude. That's sick. They do windsurfing and there's drum circles and like <laughs> people like doing weird dances and people roller skating backwards while listening to loud music. There's drag queens doing fucking like somersaults in high heels. And I have no idea what this place is, but I am there for it. Yeah, me too. That's amazing. I thrive in chaos like that. I just want to yeah. walk through. I just want to absorb all the weird things going on. See, that's amazing. Yeah. You could just literally just exist there, look at things, have one earpod awesome. in, listen in the book. Yeah. Any two because it's loud as fuck, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Especially if you're in the drum circle. Yeah. I, especially near the drum circle. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I suppose as the host of this podcast, my inaugural hosting, I can ask you to shout out a smaller story that you like. Or a smallish story. Small's relative. A story. Okay. So I want to shout out our common friend, JTB, mm-hmm. and his story, Son of Flame. It's a firefighter RPG. And it's an isekai about a firefighter who, well, gets isekai into a fantasy world, and there's bloody conflict and battles and the guy fights with two like fire axes and f- throws them and it's i don't want to spoil too much it's it's, it's really freaking Ooh. good it's got and, a new cover yeah it's got a new cover courtesy of well our uh, our <laughs> mid-journey altar that's so funny as soon as i saw it i was gonna ask if it was k because it looks like a k cover k definitely helped for sure yeah but yeah so jj hato son of flame a firefighter lit rpg Go give it a read. I'm going to link it below the episode. Uh, also, you should read it because, well, JTB used to be a real firefighter, so he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, the best kind. Of, those like those books or those stories where it's merged with someone who actually knows where they're coming mm-hmm. from and they merge it with fiction. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Love it. Couldn't love it more. The story is lit. <laughs> Come on, man. Did you plan that ahead? No, I'm just on fire. You put that on me? <laughs> oh, what? Okay, got any more? You got a third one? Something about heat. I mean, all the other books that I that I've read recently, people know. Oh, actually, I think by now, isn't Mizar's new story out? By the time this podcast releases, now or release now? By release now. Oh, I don't know, man. I'm just, I've been, yeah, I've been very far away. I also intend to read JTB's. Yeah, I intend to read Son of Flame. I should say. It's yep. on my to-be-read list when I have, you know, when I'm not working 12 to 14 hour days. We should really read that book. He's going to ask the right questions. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I am going to bury the hatchet. Yeah, I'm just tomahawking on this thing. Anyway, I can't stop. Someone help me, please. <laughs> yeah, but at some point in the future, is it still called ne- Necromunda? Necro... Oh, God. I feel so bad because he changed the name of it a few times and we keep calling it the L word story. But I think actually this, the story is called Necrologica Chronicles. 
mm-hmm. and it has a friggin' kick-ass cover. And it's about an OPMC who got into a huge fight with the love of her life, and the love of her life like put her into the ground so hard that she wakes up like centuries later and decides to take her revenge. At least that's the version that I read last. So I hope you're somewhat excited for this book. And if not, I'm going to write down something in the comments of this thing, of the in the description of this podcast, mm-hmm. so that I give you a better description because Mito's grown, dude. He's really good. Yeah. All I know is the story's gonna pop off and you should get in there first. Yes, exactly. Get, you want your reading and your comment, you want your comments and reviews to become stonks. Okay. Yes. You want to cement them at the foundation of yep. this soaring story that it will be. Get those sweet Royal Road levels with the, all the upvotes and the rep. Yeah, absolutely. That's you what want I'm that. really in writing for, to be honest. Yes, like, absolutely. People ask me if I've always, you know, thought about stories. And no, I've always thought about more points, internet points. It's what I create. Internet points. Yes. And exactly. you can get more of those by checking out Mizasev's story. Oh, yeah. And of course, also the, the other story. You know, the one with the dragon that this guy, Sean, writes. A dragon. I don't know. Yeah, isn't that isn't that on Rising Stars right now? I think I might have seen something with a dragon on Rising Stars. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what's it called? Huh? Is it called Dawn of the Last Dragon Rider? Oh, I think it was called Dawn of the Last Dragon Rider. Yeah. I think it's Dawn of the Last I suppose Dragon we could. I suppose we could shout that one out. I mean, it's only got yeah. almost a perfect five-star rating, you know, 400 followers. Yeah, almost a rating. Man, it's, it's getting like 100 followers today. Yep. It's gaining a lot of followers. Yeah, 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 it's it's flying. I s- you should check that out. If you, yeah, uh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> if you read, if you read Aragon as a teenager, let me tell you, this story has. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like an ad read now. I'm not yeah. being paid by Sean, but I I've kept up with it. Despite my lack of time, I actually haven't read it. I've been having AI read it to me. Shout out whichever app I think Speechify. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I I can't look at words anymore. But I've been keeping up with that story regardless because it's good. Mm-hmm. it's dragging me through it's you should check it out it's yeah. dragging me through oh my god you're so good at this <laughs> oh my f- god i don't even realize i'm doing it and you pointed out you're ruining me <laughs> yeah um i don't know like i I, th- I think i just work on a different scale yeah 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 oh my god <laughs> it's actually impressive it's, i can't even be upset at the puns with your with how effective they are it's very good to have brain damage that makes you makes you do puns. It's it's nice. <laughs> it's a feature. It's a feature. All right, man. Well, we've been talking for two hours and a few minutes. I yes. suppose I can let you go from my oh my god inaugural podcast host. I'm a free elf. Experience. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I guess you can be productive today or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. You want to go to the gym? So yeah, I. I do intend to do that, but, you know, there's still time to not. Do it. Who's going to carry the boats? You're right. I can't let Goggins down. Yeah, I mean, you can't let all of us down. Like, when we are going to get our yachts down to your, down to your beach. <laughs> You're like, no, who's actually going to carry the boats? <laughs> exactly. They're going to be big. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be small, my man. <laughs> Too small to control. <laughs> how do you sign this off do you say how about I, I guess as the leader of this podcast i will delegate the task of signing off this podcast to you that's not how that works but i'm not going to go into a diatribe thank you so much for being everyone uh, for uh, for your haylock and for for forcing me to do this anytime and please if you listen to this 
you like, you subscribe, you click whatever button there is on the platform that you're on. It helps me a lot and it helps me do more of this content. Um, by this time, I think I've also already released the quest board. So if you're interested in all the upcoming releases for this month, go ahead, listen to that. It's on the same channel um, on YouTube. And otherwise, I think there should be a few more chapters coming out for the pop crawl where we talk about or talk with all the publishers. So this batch, I think, has Timeless Wind, it has Shadow Alley Press, and it has Moonquill. It might even have Athon again, but this time with Rhett, the owner of Athon. All right, this is it. Please like, subscribe, do all the buttons. Yeah, subscribe. And also Patreon. Subscribe to the Patreon. I did give you all my reasons for, for Patreon. Um, please, 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 please. I will talk to you in the comments. We'll have a good time. You can, you can, you can verbally abuse me. I'm okay with that. I might be into it. Not into it. If, if you want to talk to Haylock in the comments of my Patreon, please do this. If you don't like Haylock, uh, I wouldn't know why because I think <laughs> he's a really sweet dude. But if you don't, you can come in the comments and then insult him there because he cannot block you there. No, yeah, I have to. I have to take it. It's And if, if you want to pay me money to insult Haylock, then you're kind of weird, but I would understand that, yeah. Yeah, we both understand. It's totally fine. Yeah, money wins. It's, you know, it's what it is. Please don't insult Haylock. He's such, such a sweet dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. It's okay. And I'll see you next time. <laughs> it's okay. And I'll see you next time.